one and welcome back to hey eintracht frankfurt the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there's no the english language about eintracht frankfurt the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in germany the best club in europe the best club in the world for that matter but we're a little bit biased i am your host brian sanders you can follow me on twitter at kcsge you can follow the show more importantly on twitter that is at hef pod you can follow us on facebook that's facebook.com slash hef pod why should you do that well you got all the uh, english language uh, content covering the eintracht all put in one easy to find location so why not follow us there and uh, you can also drop us an email whenever you feel inclined to do so. That is uh, heyandrafrankford at gmail.com. And since we are doing this episode ahead of a weird uh, week-long break, so uh, we got a Bundesliga match this weekend. Uh, next weekend, the entire Bundesliga is off. The only cl- three Bundesliga clubs who are involved in any match day interest is the three Bundesliga clubs that are in the DFB Pokal Hub final, the semifinal. So, um, due to May Day, uh, let's see, that's Bremen versus Leipzig on the 30th of April with the Friday, and then the Saturday has uh, Dortmund versus Kiel. Gosh, those guys with uh, all those matches still left to make up due to COVID issues in the second division. You just kind of wonder, can they catch Hosfeld? Well, Hosfeld did just lose earlier today as we record on the 22nd. But anyways, uh, I'm not waffling along uh, by myself because I'm not by myself this week uh, for this episode this week. Uh, Chris in Detroit has joined me. Chris, has the snow melted yet? Uh, it came and it went uh, and it came back and I, I don't know I haven't been outside in five minutes I'm sure when I go out there it'll change <laughs> yeah um, we got three inches of snow in Kansas City and by the end of the day it was already gone and the track were winning so that kind of didn't matter all too much needless That's to say all that so, matters Eintracht Augsburg was kind of anxious about it. You said that you were no longer allowed to predict clean sheets and what happened. <laughs> so it, it, it has been requested across various platforms, uh, Twitter, Discord, and uh, direct text message that I stop predicting clean sheets for Frankfurt. Um, so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, it's just, it's not a good idea when I do it. It never works out well. And when I don't do it. Look, we got a clean sheet against Augsburg, so I'm not complaining. Yeah, totally hearing on that. But it wasn't too bad. And, you know, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, or at least building up to legend. I mean, is he at legendary status? I think he's kind of getting there. Uh, there's a few other things he needs to kind of tick. But otherwise, he's kind of there, in my opinion. And that is Martin Hinterlager was back in the starting lineup. Uh, the lineup overall was uh, KT uh, between the sticks, Indiga, Hinterlager, and Tuta. To me, the best uh, defensive pairing, defensive threesome that we can muster out. Then you had Kostic on the left. Um, Timmy Chandler was getting the start on the right. And then Sol. Uh, the, in the attacking midfield role, rolled in the more defensive midfield, central midfield role, uh, Kamada in the attack, central attacking midfielder role uh, behind the pairing of Jovic and Silva. And well, uh, Hinteregger uh, does Hinteregger things. He got himself a yellow card, but to be fair, it's against Augsburg. And if he didn't put, you know, break a leg or come close to it, then I would have thought something was wrong with him. And uh, 
he ended up scoring, and all this in just 46 minutes worth of action. Not too shabby for a return. Yeah, uh, when when he went out injured, I know everyone was concerned about what that would do to the defense. Uh, and lo and behold, he makes his gallant return with a goal, which practically nobody expected. We don't we don't need that from him this right. season, at least. Um, but when he provides it, you know that's a sure sign that things are going well for us. And up until that point, uh, minus one opportunity from Silva that hit the crossbar. We didn't exactly have a lot mm. going, but that was very much a turning point. We got the lead, and then we kept the gas on, and and it kept going. So he was good on both sides of the ball, I thought, and that goal really gave us a lift at a time when we needed that. Totally agree on that. Um, one thing that do, did uh, give me cause for concern was during the first half. Now, because goal uh, the you know, scoring right before the half and then kind of getting that second and uh, all crucial goal uh, really helped us out in the second half. But one thing that I found interesting was how much Kostic was shut down in the first 45 minutes. Has like, are we able as a team? Look, we got our goal from a set piece. Um, well, or at least kind of variants of it um kind of are we in a position where we can we don't need costage to be firing on all cylinders to be able to get wins because well this is against augsburg this isn't exactly against dortmund or leipzig yeah um we're not in a position where he can be shut down for a full match um Mm -hmm. but i think that was definitely a focal point for them at the start was to shut him down, and they thought if they shut Kostic down, they shut the whole team down, and we just proved that was not the case. Uh, Kamada with that nice cross to Hinty for the goal, and then shortly after the half, we started pushing offense up the up the middle a little bit. Uh, Chandler didn't create a whole lot of offense, but I thought he was definitely effective on the right wing. Um, and then eventually how rusty he is. Oof, that was good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, I thought he was no more or less effective than Durham. So, you know, just having, having Durham have the opportunity to rest and Chandler being a suitable replacement was good. Uh, but eventually Kostich broke out on that left side. We actually moved the ball up the pitch through the middle, which is so rare for us right now. And Kostic came in with that late assist to Silva to kind of seal the deal. But you can contain him in, in you know, minutes at a time. But at some point during a match, he's going to break out. And we saw that with the late assist. Agreed. Um, that's one of the things that I seem to always be uh, stuck on the qu- the proverbial Kamada Island is that, you know, when it comes to uh, activity through the middle, it does seem that when we do get it, it does seem to be Kamada uh, providing a little bit more uh, through the middle, which look, that's what we need. We agree that we need a little bit more uh, activity on the wings. Now, Hey, look, um, Hooters on his way out. So um, I don't see whoever takes over from Hooter is going to really deviate too much away from like utilizing costage, but everything has been shown that if we have a stronger right uh, to complement Kostic, it will allow the team to flourish even more because when we go, you know, because we mathematically have qualified for Europe, um, 
so far mathematically it's just the uh the new uefa conference nations conference whatever thing which you know can be played in a less than a state uh, new stadium but a stadium that's the size of Mainz's stadium in albania not exactly the most sexy of uh jaunts and let's be real like we want the champions league things point towards us being in it but you know with the way that we play right now could we have a deep run in the uh, UEFA conference? I'm pretty sure we could. Um, could we do it in the Europa League? I'm pretty sure we'd get at least two round of 16 quarterfinals without a problem. In the Champions League, you need to have quite a few options uh, at hand. Otherwise, you're just going to be a team that's going to finish in third or fourth within your group. And then you just kind of have to try and get by <laughs> with what's there. Uh, uh, Sevilla of Spain have made that thing a real habit having, you know, been in the group phase of the Champions League, getting uh, not being good enough to make the knockout phase of the Champions League, but then running all the way to the final and winning multiple finals, you know, in the Europa League, which has made them just, you know, develop into a pretty good size with side without kind of pushing through, which I can have a little bit of a rant when it comes to the the Euro Super League, which kind of connects this. So at this point in time, I think anything we can get through the middle, we need that and we need more of it. And I'm just glad that we were able to get the goal when we got it against Augsburg because Augsburg's that kind of team that they're safe. There's no way that they can get back into the relegation scrap. And, you know, <laughs> I'm just happy we got the points we did, but it was ugly. Yeah. Well, if you look forward and I'm cautiously doing this, it's kind of a tangent away from the match just played. But if you do look forward to Europe next year, no matter where that is um, across the European spectrum, we have to have enough depth to uh, to put out a competitive roster both in European play and back in Bundesliga play, because we're not going to f- qualify for the following European campaign if we don't play well in the league. So we can't just put all our eggs in one basket and ignore the other one. So it's important to, in my mind that we qualify for Champions League because that affords us the financial flexibility to keep a couple players that we would otherwise sell, uh, mostly looking at Kostic there. Uh, I know his value will be high, but he will be a critical piece. And, you know, there's questions about his durability, but you can see how impactful he is to our offense, no matter who is going to be the gaffer next year. So uh, I think Mm -hmm. we have to stay in Champions League contention just with the idea of Kostic in mind to control that offense. Agreed. Cause uh, I would like to point towards um, the, uh, the kind of development of this side as, you know, one that's going to be able to, you know, like you said, develop depth. Um, remember how exciting the Wolfsburg team of 2014, 2015 was as they finished second to Bayern. Now they were still quite a few points back, but, when they would go toe-to-toe against Bayern, they would rip them apart. Well, guess what? They then qualified for the Champions League. Now, they lost Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> and, yeah, they just weren't able to kind of replace what they had lost. And they finished in eighth place that next season, despite going to the quarterfinals of the Champions League and, you know, pushing Real Madrid. But, you know, 
if it hadn't been for their lucky draw when it came to the uh, knockout phase, they probably would have stopped at the round of 16. And despite the fact that they are Wolfsburg and have the money that comes from Volkswagen, you know, they didn't build up the depth and then, you know, they didn't develop any further. And within, I, th- I forget how long after the 15-16 season into the 16-17 season, Dieter Hecking, the man who put it all together, was out in his ass. So, yeah, it can turn real quick. So, <laughs> I mean, br- bringing it back full circle to where this game ended, uh, we did have some contributors from unlikely sources being Kamada, usually being a finisher in the box this time. It was a, a soft cross uh, from kind of the wing after the uh, after the set mm-hmm. piece. Um, the Tuta handball was interesting to me. I understand yeah. why it was called. Um, but I think for a guy of his oh, size, shit. he he was bigger than the guy he was going up against. It was a poorly played ball, and we got lucky uh, that that Augsburg just doesn't know how to take a take a penalty. I guess they missed <laughs> three of their last four now, so that worked in our yeah, favor. Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty ugly. That was pretty ugly. Um, one thing uh, that kind of came to mind was Hinteregger. I mean, he went off. I think Kutcher was just playing it easy. He's like, look, we got a win here. Augsburg's not going to go for it. And I kind of salute him for kind of realizing that Leverkusen match at the weekend is way bigger because then you have your minds or uh, Schalke and Freiburg left to go. And how much could then be sewn up by, you know, a nine track victory over Leverkusen when Wolfsburg has Dortmund at the weekend Dortmund cannot, you know, they're really up against it, but an Eintracht win at the weekend. Suddenly that means Europa League group phases uh, mathematically secure because at that point in time, uh, it will be a 12 point difference between the Eintracht and Leverkusen. And yeah, we'll be, yep. we'll, we're already in a position where uh, Leverkusen's on the outside looking in. And if we keep, you know, this win, Dortmund in the meantime, and like we'll have a week off. Dortmund won't. I think the matches are just going to catch up to Dortmund. But that's by the by. Um, with the performance that we then saw from Ilsenker and Hasebe, uh, was it just me or are we starting to see glimpses that, uh, especially with Hasebe, that the long season? And, and remember, our league season is just 34 total matches. Our league season being what it is, Hasebe just has only got so much in the tank and we might already be running that dry. Yeah. I mean, when when commentators first started talking about how Hasebe is aging, that was years ago. Years mm-hmm. ago, that was a long time ago and now we're still talking about how he's such an effective player which he is he's a good player but he just doesn't have the legs to be there week in week out english weeks and all that so we have to be looking at how effective hinterager is defensively i'm sorry uh, the combination of hinterager and neil sanker together back there um how effective mm-hmm. they are we have to look at i mean obviously a, a new manager is going to bring probably a, a new tactical setup, but whether we're doing the three in the back, like we've become comfortable with versus four, um, Hasebe plays a big part in that 
the central uh, defensive midfield in the back line. So, yeah, the age is definitely catching up, but he's still effective. We just have to realize we can't run him there week in and week out for 30 weeks in a row. Yeah, and we also can't trust Rhoda to not pick up a freaking 10th yellow card of the season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that presents a quite interesting uh, tactical uh, choice to make because He's going to be out this match. Um, I I can't remember if it's a one match or two match band that he's now sitting on for that. So <laughs> yikes. But hey, at least uh, after Leverkusen, we have a week off for the team to make sure that everyone is as rested as they can be for the final hurdle that is next. So, Chris, if there's anything else uh, we can get to, what are we drinking? No, uh, I got another point that'll come back to this match, but um, I'm going to save that for our next prediction. So <laughs> let's talk about the booze. Yeah. Hashtag. What are we drinking? Uh, I'm going first because uh, I have, I mean, I have something that I was drinking recently, but I'm not drinking today. I'm drinking water. And here's why I got my second COVID vaccination just yesterday. Look guys the, and gals, this is what it is all about. It's getting the butts back in the seats in the Volkswagen so we can enjoy another run uh, in Europe. And we want to see it. We don't want to see it on flipping TV. So how you get that done is by vaccinating and by not spreading COVID, being safe, being smart, masking up. Um, so. I'm drinking water uh, for the next for a little bit, though uh, my normal entry. uh, Yeah. So after this obvious PSA uh, sort of announcement, uh, what I was drinking, uh, Songbird Pilsner. uh, It was from Finch Brewing Company. A new one for me. I've never had it before. And uh, Pils hit the spot. Just saying. Was it? I picked a good one. There you go. Germanic style. Uh, it's out of Chicago, Illinois. And uh, if anyone has a chance at getting that, uh, get your hands on that. Solid stuff. Chris, what do you got? Um, I have an addendum to your PSA. Uh, Brian and Nathan and Roman and myself, we would love to be sitting in Frankfurt during a Champions League match, doing a live recording there. So get your vaccinations, mm-hmm. please. Um, for for us, please. if not for yourself, for anybody else, for the podcast, please. Uh, but uh, myself, <laughs> uh, I am drinking uh, not a new one for me, but definitely a go-to for me. Uh, Grand Armory Brewing out of Grand Haven, Michigan, that uh, for the geographic, uh, geographically minded people. Oh, that's on the West coast of Michigan. We got three coasts. We got a West and North and an East and that's on our West coast, right about halfway up your left hand as you look at it. Um, but grand armory brewing a sap on tap. Great name. It's a barrel aged maple vanilla oatmeal stout sitting at 10%. Uh, it's sweet and it is powerful. So, perfect for this show indeed indeed all right so that is going to rack up my indeed comments to what four five now <laughs> are they sponsoring uh, they us just, yet <laughs> yeah i think uh i think it's a it's a matter only a matter of time before that starts becoming a drinking game uh yeah let's n- let's <laughs> not do that 
Uh, <laughs> all right. So we've got our hashtag. What are we drinking bits in? Uh, we're going to segment two where we're going to talk about the Frauen uh, who played Freiburg uh, are going to be playing Freiburg this Sunday. And uh, yeah, so stay with. Segment two, hate Eintracht Frankfurt, frown corner it is. So uh, in uh, the last episode, uh, which was a preview of uh, the Augsburg match, a brief overcap, uh, overview of the uh, Gladbach debacle. Uh, we're moving on from that. Uh, the Frauen uh, had a lovely uh, victory over Sand. So move, well, not only moving up the tables, but getting themselves in a much better position so that they're ending the season on a good note. And now uh, uh, up is the same team that they beat in the uh, Frauen Pokal, uh, SC Freiburg. I'm feeling that the girls are going to come away with a victory on this. And that should start the, well, I mean, at least a good upwards trajectory for the <laughs> Frauen uh, maintaining that. Because ever since they made it to the, the Pokal final, now the Bundesliga is pretty much wrapped up. The Two, the top two spots are already mathematically sealed in the third place. is a hell of a long ways off. So, ladies, just kind of shoot yourself up in the top half. And uh, we'll see you. Well, if some of us can go there, uh, we'll watch you as you go off to Cologne. Yeah, uh, it was a good match on Sunday. Uh, the ladies got at it early, uh, eight minutes in with the opener, and they really didn't slow down after that. They weren't up against tough competition um, on the pitch the way it matched no. up. But <laughs> no, but that that was a club right around us in the table. You know, they were ahead of us at the time and uh, now we've overtaken them. Thanks to our ridiculous goal differential uh, for our point in the table, you know, sitting at sixth with a plus 15 when uh, Leverkusen in fifth is at minus three. It's kind of ridiculous, but it shows you. And Potsdam at, uh, in fourth place at plus yeah. two. So it shows you how strong the goal scoring was early in the year. But you're seeing Laura Frying do now what she was doing at the beginning of the season. And there's still five matches left. Uh, like you said, we're not going to Europe, but mm-hmm. this is where you develop the young team. You got good teams coming up where you can really prove yourself and say, hey, if you want that shot next year, this is your chance to prove that you're going to do it now. And it starts against Freiburg, a team that's also on 24 points. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So um, next up, I guess uh, it's more of a general Bundesliga topic. Who are we cheering for in Dortmund versus Wolfsburg? Because, <laughs> <laughs> look, just to paint the picture. Um, so, yeah, uh, Wolfsburg lost to uh, Bayern. That helped us out quite a bit considering things um they're still one point above us they have plus seven better goal difference than us um so they're in third place in fifth place is dortmund who are four points back but they have a plus five goal difference better goal difference than ourselves so really helps us that the two of those guys are playing and 
Shoot. Um, let's hopefully. What is the best thing for us? I mean, some I know that there are some people that are like, no, Wolfsburg has got to beat Dortmund. I'm more inclined that if Dortmund wins and we're able to get a positive result, that means that we'll be leapfrogging Wolfsburg. So long as we get a win, that means we'll leapfrog Wolfsburg, which means uh, if we finish in third, more money, technically prize money, that is only is a couple million more by finishing in third over fourth. But having Dortmund still hot on our heels, that will make us still push and push and push. Because if we win, Dortmund loses, you know, uh, that is a seven point uh, difference. And we might take our foot off the gas just a little bit when it comes to playing mites in match day uh, 32. So I'm like a little bit more pressure on the team so that we're pushing until the very end to at least until match day 34 when we know where the chips will fall. And we have already got mathematically the Champions League locked up. So, Chris, where do you feel? Following that, I'm on the Dortmund winning side. Yeah, so here's where I'm at with it. Uh, I don't think it's a matter of who's playing who. For me, it's a matter of what time the match is being played. Uh, the Wolfsburg-Dortmund <laughs> match uh, here in the States, Eastern time where I live, is a 9.30 start. It's the early window. And we're playing the 12.30, uh, carry the two. I don't know. Do the math to wherever you live. Uh, we're the, we're the mid time, game. Chris. Yeah. 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 That's it. Um, we're in Hawksfield. <laughs> you know, I, I can't keep track of the hours anymore. But <laughs> what I'm getting to is that um, we'll know before we even walk out onto mm -hmm. the pitch, what the score of that match was, whether the players know or not, uh, you know, the managers and, and everybody, everybody who's not got cleats on their feet are going to know the score of that match. And that can amp up the pressure against us. If Dortmund wins, they're only one point back. And then now we feel a lot more pressure. If there's a draw, we see Dortmund didn't gain much ground. We have an opportunity to go up into three. Maybe it's a little easier. I I don't like to look at other matches and say that's going to influence us, but I know that you know our players are human. They all feel pressure just like anyone does. Um, I don't see a situation where they can just go into it blind and say, oh, we don't care. We're going to control our own destiny. That's That's not true. Everyone feels pressure. So in my perfect world, I want to see a draw out of that match so that we can take three points, move up into the third spot, and still gain space against Dortmund. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so I said in the last episode um, that I wanted to save uh, the European Super League talk for another day. Question is, what opinion do you have, Chris? Do you want to dive into this? I have a few opinions to add to it, but I'm going to kind of stay on the peripheries here. Yeah. I do uh, think that's... that the Bundesliga clubs of Dortmund and Bayern, especially Bayern, who would have been the targets of this, which has since collapsed because I think all, all – the uh, English clubs backed out, though the amount of hostility that they all felt was quite impressive. Not going to lie. <laughs> but I think that's only going to placate things just a little bit because 
you know what? Hey, they already got their they already got an expansion of the Champions League, making it more catered towards the teams just playing the matches, getting more TV revenue because it's going to have more of the teams that uh, are the driving forces behind Europe. But what are your thoughts on the 12 that for a brief time looked like they were going to try and escape UEFA and the Champions League? Right. I don't think this is the show to cover that because I know there's a big team here with big opinions on it and it's probably worthy of its own episode, which Mm -hmm. we might get to at some point, but my quick notes on it while it's fresh, um, I'm really proud of, of Bayern Munich for stepping up early on. I don't fault them for looking at it because the amount of money that was being thrown at that idea, um, was astonishing. Just from a sports standpoint, where we Way are in more a pandemic, than what you get from winning the Champions League, even right, right, um, the guarantees that were involved with it. But I give Bayern credit, and uh, and eventually the uh, most of the other teams credit, but especially Bayern and PSG for being the first ones to say, "Hey, uh, we're alienating Shoot, our PSG fans." Doing that was that was unexpected. At least with Bayern, yeah, you knew yeah. for a fact that if they had said okay we're in as much as we don't like them they do have an ultra scene that then would have been pretty riotous and we have seen uh, some of the banners over the years of how opinionated they are and they are right. very much a protect uh very much would hold the club uh hierarchy t- uh accountable for their actions right and as we record this now the the super league is dead at least in its current uh idea and form even though the real madrid guy refuses to give up on it whatever it's done with at this point but i hope i hope there are lessons learned from this uh football and it's been shared by every soccer page on twitter and facebook football is for the fans we may not play it but we all did when we were kids. We grew up with it. Uh, some grew away from it. Some stuck with the team that they fell in love with, like me, when I was nine years old. And now I get to talk about it every week. Like, this is this is our game. And when you take it away from us, we're going to fight back. And I'm really proud of, of – we didn't have a horse in the race. You know Eintracht was never going to be a part of that at any point at any level of the the discussion, but I do applaud uh, even the English clubs that took a a beating from their fans and said, you know what, we're not going to do it. And I don't applaud them for getting into it in the first place. It was a stupid move. Um, But at some point they had to realize, Hey, we're not going to have anybody left if we alienate the good ones that have been with us forever. So to me, that was the biggest point. And if you're listening it, if you're listening in the United States, and you were upset about what happened in Europe, uh, you got to look in the mirror because we have a similar (laughs) closed system right here in our backyard. And um, that's a discussion for another day. We grew up with that. That's a thing. We did, but that doesn't make it okay either because we we all follow clubs and leagues around the world where you see an open system that, that encourages uh, the way the game is supposed to be done and not just in soccer. Sporting merit. Um, it's not just a soccer thing. When you go around Europe and even Asia in other sports, uh, basketball, handball in Scandinavia, uh, 
there are divisions. There are there's promotion and relegation, and the sport is far beyond the dollar sign. And our closed systems here in America, mm-hmm. they they're all about the dollar sign. But that doesn't mean we have to accept that uh, with Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga, or the rest of European football, for that matter. Exactly. So to list off all the teams, uh, the there were two, uh, three, excuse me, three teams in London: Arsenal, who we faced in the Europa League; uh, Chelsea, who we faced in the Europa League; and Tottenham Hotspur, uh, North London-based club. Um, the others were the two Manchester teams: Manchester City and Manchester United, and Liverpool. Um, it should be note, and it was screamed a lot uh, by the European folks that half of uh, the English six are Americans who were leading the leading the charge on that. Then you had your uh, three clones from Spain, three clones from Italy, uh, Interbon, uh and Milan, both who uh, were kind of fair, familiar with and along with a Torino-based club, Juventus. So three of the seven sisters. And AC is also uh, American-owned as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's kind of convoluted thing that they got there hedge fund that had to take over from a Chinese investor but anyways um, I'm not going down that rabbit hole because I don't, I don't want to have to go through explain it and then you have um, Atletico Madrid Real Madrid and Barcelona um, I'll point out certain facts that are there um, we've noticed that uh, competitive imbalance has been going on in the leagues shoot Bayern's gonna win how many titles in a row uh, Juventus is looking at winning nearly a 10th title in the row but in Italy, but Inter Milan's way ahead of them this year. It's probably going to that Milan club. You know, of the in Italy, the last time that there was not one of these three teams that are involved in the Super League from Italy, uh, the last time the, a team did win it wasn't one of the Seven Sisters. Um, so the Seven Sisters are um, the two Milan clubs, AC and Inter, uh, the two Rome clubs of Lazio, who we faced in Europa League, and AS Roma, uh, American-owned team. Uh, you got Fiorentina and uh, Florence. You have Juventus and Turin, and again, in the South, in the proper South. Uh, you have uh, Napoli, uh, famous for Maradona, basically making them a big deal. Um, so, in the sense, uh, the 2001-2002 title, if that's correct in my head, so nearly two decades on, that was the last time a team not called Inter Milan, AC Milan, or Juventus won the Italian title. Notice where it's kind of been stuck up there. Now, Juventus has also kind of rattled off nine in a row, but... Kind of using that as a juncture point because if you go to Spain, each of those three clubs has won all the titles since the 2002-2003 season when, or it was 2003-2004, close enough, um, nearly two decades as well since Valencia last won. And it's been one title for Atletico and just bouncing back and forth between Barcelona and Real. It's the same guys each time and the the big kids just want to... Bring all the money together. Now I get it. They want more money from UEFA, and it's it's understandable. But there's so much of that money that f- earned by the Champions League that actually gets dispersed f- to places in Scotland, Portugal, yeah. uh, the lesser teams in France, and then you got the Flanders area, uh, Belgium, De- uh, and Holland, and you got Switzerland, Austria, 
Czech Republic, Poland, Russia, Ukraine. I mean, there's so many leagues that have like solid teams or teams that you know of and have been interacting with who are basically would otherwise just be cut off. They're like, oh, we are we percentage wise would earn way more by doing this. And And not to mention that Um, not in England right now. Yeah. The top four of England is the two Manchester clubs and two, quote, upstarts. A London-based club and West Ham United, pretty historical club. Uh, Leicester City, who was the like the one-off winner of the Champions League in the last couple, multiple decades. And their story is in and of itself just kind of a miraculous thing to happen. But these top, 16, top five of the 16s have been the... The ones that are driving it and the fact that the, it's basically like, oh, we're going to just pack up our stuff and move out. It just is, to me, unacceptable. I understand where they're coming from, but nonetheless, unacceptable. I got a little rant there, folks, and I think it's time for us to kind of lay down the marker uh, here. Chris, if you want to talk about Leverkusen. Yeah, let's do it. We'll save the rest right. of that for another episode. Indeed. So we're wrapping up here. Every way that you can watch uh, the Eintracht versus Leverkusen. So it's going to be Totspiel uh, against Leverkusen, the late Saturday kickoff. You're going to have uh, ESPN Plus that's going to be broadcasting that here in the United States of America. And uh, beyond that, you got uh, Flow of Sports and the Flow of Sports app in the Caribbean. Uh, that is uh, BN Sports uh, and KO Sports in Australia that will show it for our friends uh, down there. There and in New Zealand, that's going to be uh, BN Sports. That's going to be carrying that for our friends in New Zealand. That's uh, Sky Bundesliga for our friends in uh, Germany, Switzerland, and Austria. And when it comes to our friends uh, north of the border, so um, <laughs> for us, I always have to specify that as uh, Canada. So that's Sportsnet World Now, Sportsnet World, and Sportsnet World Now. So it won't be on uh, one of the TV stations. Uh, it will be uh, actually broad broadcasted so and uh oh yeah uh in the uk and ireland that is uh bt sports so that's where you can find the eintracht versus leverkusen this to me is a slam dunk of a match okay so rota is off um this team uh leverkusen has kind of benefited from the fact that they've played the basement teams that have got nothing going for themselves. Your Augsburgs, your Schalkas, who've already been mathematically relegated. And when they win up against a team that can actually play, uh, oh yeah, and they also face Cologne and kind of wax them, uh, but not much saying there. Uh, When they faced up against a real team, it was Bayern and they got host. And Bayern looked like they were still kind of sleepwalking. And they just took care of it without even blinking. So, Chris, I think this is a slam dunk for the Eintracht. I think we're going to stick to the formation, the the three, four, and the three uh, for the attack. Uh, Doing's going to be back on the right, but uh, Hasebe, more the uh, defensive midfielder role. And uh, Indica, Tuta, and Hinteregger there. We Are we a little thin uh, on the bench? Yes, but this is a team that will be able to pop the goals in. And just saying, uh, Leverkusen is not in a position to... I mean, they're still looking for their own uh, new head coach. And uh, I think this is a slam dunk. I think this is quite possibly a... 2-1 victory. Same kind of scoreline as I predicted uh, against Augsburg, but I think that this is pretty 
sound and we've <laughs> we've got these guys uh number and yeah painting my um hanging my colors on that two to one what are you thinking two one interesting um it, it's been a back and forth with them through the last six matches mm-hmm. we're three our way and three their way uh so you know it, it's yeah, been an even matchup uh, recently I mean, we remember that boss game yeah, we've won four of our last five now. They're dealing with a few injuries. And to be honest, I know they're kind of sitting on that edge of Europe bubble, but we have far more to lose in this, if you ask me. Um, a loss here really puts us puts us in a bad position going into the final three weeks. And I think our guys are ready to play. They came out a little sluggish to start against Augsburg. They put it all together and really played a complete match the rest of the way. And I don't see that changing here. Um, I think Silva and Jovic are starting to create a thing up front. Again, Jovic isn't scoring as much, but he's having a far bigger impact than he was a few weeks prior. Um, Hasebe back in the lineup will be good to see and, and comfortable there with Hinterrager now with hopefully um, – rounded back into form and Kevin Trapp doing Kevin Trapp things. And if he outplays Radetzky at the other end, I think we'll be okay. Uh, I'm going to mirror your score with a two to one. <laughs> there you go, folks, both predicting the Eintracht to come away with wins. I do think that uh, the Eintracht will be pretty comfortable uh, up two nil before we dare to concede. And I won't be surprised if Far bites us right back in the bomb again. But, you know, we'll I'm not allowed to predict a clean sheet. And that's what I really want to do, no. but I'm not going to do it. No clean sheet. <laughs> no clean sheet. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Hey, I'm Jack Frankfurt. I'd like to thank Chris in Detroit for joining us. Chris, where can we find you on social media landscape of the world? Twitter at C in the D 313 and the same on Discord. Yep. And we throw out Discord uh, chatter, which, um, is where kind of we do all of our uh, discussions. We actually record over that. So if you happen to join in, you can actually listen to us uh, record our segments live. So there's a lot of Franker fans on there. I've kind of lost count of how many so far, but hey, come join us. It's a lot of fun. Uh, ways you can get in contact with the program, as some of us uh, do. Uh, Andrew Wagner has said that Hinty is the effing man, and we have to enjoy what we have left of our time with Silva. Oh, I think he's not wrong there. Uh, but we can kind of get that at a later <laughs> time. <laughs> but yeah, you can get in contact with the program, and that is heyeintrachtfranford at gmail.com. On Twitter, that is at H-E-F-Pod. And uh, yeah, Chris, now that we have predicted an Eintracht victory, I'd like to put a nice, lovely bow on this, the 171st episode of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yes, get vaccinated, uh, wear a mask, be smart. And yeah, let's try and kick this uh, virus right in the teeth so we can all be back at the Vault Stadion enjoying the Eintracht live and in person. So from all of us here at Hey Andrew Frankfurt, choose. Hey,